I thought I had something clever to say to start this. I just fucking forgot it, and I haven't even lit up this joint yet. Hey, everybody, I'm Tyler. And I'm Vampire Boy Danny. Oh, yeah, I guess <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'm Frankenstein Boy Tyler today. Ain't that right? Shit. We're the Fried Swarms. We're here to get stoned to talk about horror movies. The most important part of that is the getting stoned part of it first. So we're going to get to our green hits right off the bat. Danny... I'm going to ask you, even though I know what what it is in my hand right now. Danny, what's in my hand right now? So you're holding a Cushment joint that we both got from Flower. And with that being said, this is a 50-50 hybrid. And it is a classic cross of Bubba Kush and Animal Mints strains. And it says that it's a perfect uh, strain for people who like that minty flavor. And, of course, it is well-balanced. This one sits at, like, 34.5%, dude, over at the shop. So it typically comes in... huge from flour. Dude, that's crazy. If it's, you're looking, it's good for bud anyway, but, like... That's huge numbers. that shop? That's some big numbers, man. So with that being said, on average, it ranges somewhere in the mid-20s. Now, people have noted that the aroma is of an earthy, sweet woods in a rich, spicy coffee, of course, with a heavy kick of mint. This is good for people who typically have appetite loss, uh, chronic pain, depression, fatigue, and nausea. And the effects you'll get are a body high. You'll feel a little cerebral. It will give you the munchies, but you'll also feel relaxed and uplifted. Sweet. So I handed off to you a strain I hadn't seen down at Flower before, so I decided to pick it up called Lemon Lava. It's going to be a cross between lemon heads and lava cake. It's supposed to be pretty... Citrusy. Are you getting citrus off that? I am. It's very subtle, but so far so good. Yeah, so mostly citrusy, a little bit of sage, a little bit of mint. They're saying here a subtle grape aftertaste, which... I'm not really getting that. Yeah, yeah. More of just a full-on, like, general sativa blend. Should come on smooth, make you nice and uh, alert. Alert and bright. (laughs) And refreshing. That's the key words I'm pulling out of the high for this one. I'll take it. And it's sitting at about 26%. So a little bit more within what we usually see coming out of flower, but not that that makes it bad. I think like we've said time and time again, keep going back to that place. Cause it's fucking quality, but so no kidding, right? I guess with that in mind, Oh, while it's the green hits, I'll mention again, go check out our Patreon. You could have listened to this last week at the lowest level. At the highest level, you could be fucking chatting with us right now over Discord. Check out the in-betweens. I actually have some time off this week, so I might like poke around on the Patreon and make everything look a little bit more appealing on there and let you all know what we've been up to. And especially because what I've been up to fits in today's episode. So with that in mind, let's get into the guts and bolts and skin staples of... Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. Yes, you heard that right. Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. Guts and Bolts. All right. Guts and Bolts. Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. One of the most fun movie titles to say in existence, especially because I'm positive a bunch of people think you're making it up whenever you say it. Anyway, to start off. We'll go with our, uh, being that this is the guts and bolts, who and what went into this, stay spoiler-free for this little section. The spoiler-free setup for this movie is that it's a 
high school rom-com with a boy caught in between the group of mean girls and the new outsider that just came to town. Yeah, that's as simple as it gets. <laughs> However, the outsider is a vampire girl. Yeah, hence the name and the title. <laughs> oh, did we mention this was from Japan? <laughs> I know it. Because uh, then, not to generalize things too much, but Japanese kookiness occurs, <laughs> occurs after that. Yeah, I think if you've been following us long enough, you know what we mean by that. There's just some things that I've never seen out of any other country. <laughs> All of those things happen in this movie. Hey, man. I think that's a big reason why we keep coming back to that as well. I'm excited. So I think that's a pretty good brief setup without spoiling anything about what this film entails. And, of course, from week to week, we like to talk about the cast and crew of the film. And this week is a gentleman we've talked about several times before. He has multiple titles in this film, too, and it's our director. He's actually one half of the directing team. And I'll start off with Yoshihiro Nishimura. And we talked about him, of course, because we reviewed him actually twice. We talked about him on episode 159 with uh, Tokyo Gore Police. Yeah. Yeah. And then he did a segment for the ABCs of Death. I think it was Z. Z. Yeah. yeah for uh, Zetsumetsu. Yep. Yeah, dude. If you guys don't know, remember offhand, that's basically the Japanese remake of wow. Dr. Strange Love. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah, yeah. four minutes. It's pretty gnarly. <laughs> it's pretty gnarly. <laughs> All right, so a few other titles underneath his belt. He's got some Which, really cool films. I'm going to say I think almost every film you're going to name is one that we have to get to in the future. Oh, man. Trust me. I've been looking at them on eBay and some other sites because I want to get my hands on some of these. So I'm going to start off with Mutant Girl Squad. That's actually a film I do own. Hell Driver is a film I've been looking for, and it's actually it's super available and it's Pretty reasonably uh, priced. A film you and I have actually both talked about in passing, I think just in our personal conversations, is he did the segment The Hell Chef for the Profane exhibit back in 2013. Whenever that gets an official release, that might be the first thing I actually officially buy from yeah, Unearthed. Yeah. Now, this makes a lot of sense because he did the video short for Meatball Machine, The Reject of Death, back in 2007. Mm -hmm. So the reason I bring that up is because he's also responsible for the sequel to Meatball Machine, and that's Meatball Machine Kodoku that came out in 2017. And he's got some other projects he did last year, which include Tokyo Dragon Chef. And the other gentleman, who's the other half of the directing team, is Naoyuki Tomomatsu. And once again, another gentleman's got some wild freaking <laughs> titles to his name. So I'm going to go through a few of these. Man... If you're on the database, it's I'll talk about it here in just a second. So I'm going to lead off with Zombie Self-Defense Force from 2006. He's also responsible for such things as, let's see here, the rape zombie films. So it starts with Lust of the Dead. So I, I've known because I see mm -hmm. them on eBay, and they only go by Lust of the Dead. So he did the first three in that series. He's also responsible for actually part four and five as well in a 2018 film called Scissor Penis. Yeah, I was going to say, so he's we've never explicitly talked about this genre before, but he's known for pink film. Yeah, actually, we did talk about did that we? briefly. Okay. Yes, because of I think it was Perfect Blue. Oh, that would because I think some sense. of the directors and there might have been somebody else who directed some films in that genre. But we bring up yellow films. Giallo's yeah, yeah, yeah. But quite pink a bit. Films. But pink films from Japan are basically 
any theatrical release that like one of the main themes in some way is sexuality, sex, or nudity. Exactly. Not necessarily a porn. No, but it's sexy. And it's not a specific genre unto itself. Like it's a, it's a cross genre. You can have an action pink film. You can right. have a romantic comedy pink film. Right. But it's, whenever it's a theatrical release whose main subject matter is sexuality or nudity, that's pink film. That's this dude. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> All right. So along with directing, that's Naoyuki, he also helped write the script for this. Now, this is based off the anime of the same name from uh, Shungiku Yuchida. And the other writer on this is uh, Daichi Nagesi, and they're known for a hell driver. I'm sure technology is past what it used to be, and people might not do, like, scanlations anymore, but I wouldn't mind finding, like, a scanlation of this manga. Dude, that'd be pretty sweet. Just to check it out and see what the fuck the manga's like. No kidding. And I have a feeling it's one that's never had an official English release. Uh, nothing I'm aware of. I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm not aware of it. All right, so moving forward, we have cinematographer Shuji Momose. And actually, we've talked about them before because they were the cinematographer on Tokyo Gore Police. They also helped with a few segments of ABCs of Death when oh. we talked about it. Yeah, 2014. Or excuse me, episode 214. I know we didn't really get into a lot of the cast and crew in that because there's like 26. Yeah, because there's 26 segments. Dude. We talked about the directors. Exactly. So that's a big part of the reason why we didn't mention Shu for that. But... Just a few other films of note. They're known for a television series entitled The Great Horror Family from 2004. Mm. I was kind of curious about that. It looked pretty interesting. They're also known for a couple of the films like Uniform, uh, Survivor Girl. Also for such things as Hell Driver. Like, I'm eventually going to get around to that. The segments that they did for the ABCs of Death were J for Jedi Geki and Z for Zetsumetsu. Oh, so like two of our favorite segments. Right. I mean, the Japanese ones. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Makes perfect sense. And uh, more recently, helped on the Super Sentai Strongest Battle Director's Cut, which is a TV movie. Mm. All right. Another person we actually talked about before, this is music. Well, our editor is Yoshihiro Nishimura. Music was composed by Ko Nakagawa. We talked about them, of course, for Tokyo Gore Police and the ABCs of Death. Some pretty cool stuff there. Some other films of note, The Machine Girl fits right in this. Geisha Assassin. Mutant Girl Squad, Hell Driver. They also did The Ninja War of Toragagi, Meatball Machine Kodoku, and more recently they helped on Vampire Clay Part 2 and Tokyo Dragon Chef. Sweet. The special effects was by Nishimura Motion Picture Model Makers Group and Studio Buckhorn. Now, it has to be said, I think we talked about it on Tokyo Gore Police, but Yoshihiro is pretty much considered like the Tom Savini of special effects in Japan. Yes. So he's got his hands all over the special effects. Makes a lot of sense why that particular group is involved with this film. This was produced by Matsutsugo Asahi and Jun Nakajima. Production companies were Concept Film, Excellent Film, and Pony Canyon. The distributors were Excellent Film Partners. They helped for the 2009 Japanese theatrical release, and Funimation Entertainment helped for the 2009 United States DVD and Blu-ray release. That fucking tripped me out when I started this movie, and I got the 
Funimation. Dude, I know. You should be watching. Oh, and I was like, like I'm I, way more used to like suddenly getting a weird anime intro after this. Yeah, I'm like, I'm ready for some Dragon Ball Z. I'm ready. Yeah, <laughs> let's do this. All right, so the release date was June 26, 2009, here in the States at the New York Asian Film Festival. And then in Japan, it had a limited release on August 15th, 2009. Do you have a tagline in that this is no ordinary love triangle? Yeah, that's an understatement. I would concur. <laughs> All right, so moving into our cast, I'm going to lead off with Yuki Koramura, and she plays the role of Monami who is also our vampire girl. And a few things of note from her, she was in the films The Scissors Massacre and the film Hide and Go Kill Part 2, and she was a part of the television series Juken Sentai Kake Ranger and Ultra 7X. Hmm. All right, we have Iri Otogoro. She plays the role of Keiko. She is the Frankenstein girl in this film. She was in the films Shaolin Girl and One Chanbara, the movie. And she was also part of the television series Common Writer W. Okay. Yeah. All right. We've actually got a guy who's going to be making some noise here pretty soon, here in the States at least. And I'm talking about Takumi Saito, and he plays the role of Jugan Mitsushima, who is the love interest of both of those girls I just previously mentioned, right? And the reason I bring this guy up, um, I'm going to go back just on a couple of films. One of them kind of surprised me because I was about to watch it this week, right? Okay. So he starred in a lot of television series for, I think, pretty obvious reasons when you see the guy, right? But he was also in Robo Geisha, which is a film I was about to watch. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, I was like, damn. He was in 13 Assassins. Fucking dope film. Dude. Yeah, you don't have to sell me on that one. He was also in Hell Driver. He's in Space Battleship Yamato. And... The film I wanted to bring up, because he's, like I said, he's been in a ton of television shows. A lot of it's Japanese, so unless you're into Japanese television shows, I don't know any of these things. But he's in the upcoming Cube remake. Yo, I'm down for that Cube remake. Yeah, he's playing the role of Hiroshi Ide in that film, so I'm looking forward to that. It looked pretty decent. Yeah. So I'm not um, complaining. It looks extremely faithful. I'm curious how faithful I and know. what it is. What the departure gonna, is. Yeah, what the departures are going to be. I mean, it's got me intrigued. Mm -hmm. All right. It's coming uh, I think it's, yeah, it should be pretty soon. As of this recording, it probably will be. <laughs> All right. We have Ehi Shina. She plays the role of Manami's mom. Which is its really release is in almost exactly a month in Japan. Oh, what? Yeah. That's awesome. So I'm not sure when here in the States, but we'll keep an eye out. Ehi Shina, Manami's mom. We've talked about her a couple different times. We talked about her on episode 121 when we reviewed Audition and again on episode 159 for Tokyo Gore Police. And a few things of note outside of those films. Uh, she's got some pretty cool roles. She was in the film Sky High. She was also in the film The Outrage starring Beat Takeshi. She's also in the Profane Exhibit and, of course, the segment Hell Shuff. She's in Hell Driver. She's in Meatball Machine Kudoku. Uh, I will point out that's not the same Sky High that has Kurt no. Russell. <laughs> no. I know we talked about that last time because you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, nope, nope, no Kurt Russell, no Kelly Preston, none of that stuff. All right. We have Takashi Shimitsu. He plays the role of the Chinese professor, Mao Guban. Now, he was also in Tokyo Gore Police, and he's also in Hell Driver, but 
He's more famous. He's a director of the Ju-On series, also known as The Grudge. This fucking hilarious. Of course. I'm like, Jesus, after knowing that, it is funny. Super meta. All right. He was also the director of the live action version of Kiki's Delivery Service. Oh, good for him. Yeah, I, I think I think we looked that up last week and I just completely forgot it, but Yeah, no, that's awesome. Good on him. All right. We have Gigi Boo plays the role of Igor. Another gentleman we talked about before, he was in Tokyo Gore Police. He's also in the film Dead Sushi. He's also in the Hell Chef segment for the Profane exhibit. And he was in Zombie TV, the Zombie Walker episode in the film. Okay. All right. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he was the guy that worked in the police department that was like in the weapons oh, unit. Oh, okay. Yeah, he had that yeah, little yeah. eye patch. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We have Kanji Suda who plays the role of Kenji Furano. He is the dad, the vice principal. Oh, yep. Yeah, okay. he's Keiko's dad. He was in, believe it or not, he was the barkeep in Audition when we talked about it on episode 121. I don't think we talked about him specifically. No. But I know now. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Like, damn, okay. that's crazy. All right. few things of note from Kenji. He was in Zhuan the Grudge. <laughs> He was also in Shin Godzilla. You might have seen him in Zatoichi, the Blind Swordsman. He's also in the film Fireworks. Is he in the uh, Takashi Miike Zatoichi? Do you know? Okay. Yeah, dude. Because there's definitely been some crossover. Like, some of these guys have worked with Miike a few times. Oh, yeah. Not that we have to go through this guy's catalog because we'd be here for a long time. He's got almost 300 credits to his name. But those were just a few of note. All right, we have Soyaki Kamatani. She plays the role of Nurse Midori. She was in the film Heat. That is not to be confused with like the 1995 movie Heat. Uh, she was also in the film Various Faces in the Dark. We have Maki Mitsui. She plays the role of Kiriko, who is the school risk cutter champion. She was actually, I think she played Snail Girl in episode 159 when we talked about Tokyo Gore Police. She's fucking Snail Girl? Okay, that's fucked up. Yeah, so with that being said... Yeah, she is. She was in Mutant Girl Squad. She's also in Meatball Machine Kodoku. She was in The Ninja War of Toragagi. She's also in Hello Zombie. She's in, believe it or not, The Profane Exhibit. So, yeah, dude, some pretty cool stuff there. All right, I have Nami Tarada. She plays the role of Afrorika. Okay. And she's also known as uh, Hanako Tanaka in the film. And last but not least, I have Kei Izumi. She plays the girl with the lip plate. And I'm like, why did I bring her up? Dude, she's got a lot of really cool films. She was Dog Girl in Tokyo Gore Police. Oh, fuck. She's in Robo Geisha. She's in Mutant Girl Squad. She's in Hell Driver. She's in Beyond the Blood. She's in a movie called Zombie Ass Toilet of the Dead. Yes. <laughs> Why aren't we watching zombie-ass Toilet of the Dead right now? Yeah, and last but not least, she gets credited with Lolita A. So I think she's a okay. part of either the first three that you see or a part of Keiko's group, which I think okay. might be one and the same. I think they're one and the same. Okay, so with that being said, she is the one who is a voice actress, and she has been in a ton of shit, dude, in terms of her voice. If you've watched anime... You've probably heard her voice because she's in a ton of popular ones. Go check it out. Like, I just what thought was it was her interesting. Name her name is Terry Doty. She's actually a Mexican American. I think she's from, oh, shit. yeah, I think she's from like the Fort Worth, Dallas area. Oh, excuse me. She voiced Kakarot in the uh, video game. And 
Kakarot's better known as Goku, <laughs> which is really cool. Yeah, she did Borderlands 3, Tokyo Ghoul. That's pretty cool. Oh, yeah, shit. Like, Fruits Basket, Black Clover, Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime. Jesus, yeah, she's been in some shit. My Hero, although additional voices in My Hero, no, no. But still, like, like just a lot of voice acting roles. And I was like, good on her, because I was like, why are they, at least on the database, she shows up, like her picture shows up, mm -hmm. you know, that lets me know that she's got something worth mentioning. So, yeah, that rounds out the cast and crew. Uh, you gave us a setup. Of course, we've got to give you some warnings. That's what we do here. Warnings. Wow. Uh, made in Japan by the same guy who made Tokyo Gore Police. So if you don't know. So, yeah. So if you don't, Jesus Christ, how do we list out the fucking blood warnings and gore. for this? It is, it's a gore film. It's a splatter film. It really is. Uh, it's not porn. It's not torture porn. No, no, no. It's a, it's a splatter film. It has something that can be misconstrued as blackface. Just go ahead and throw it out. Well, there. It is, yeah, I was about to say. Well, it is. I mean, it, it is, is blackface. But uh, not that it's a Japan. Excuse. Yeah, Japan has a not better, mm -mm. not worse, but different history with blackface than the United States. Right. Does. It has a whole different. It gets called out in the movie. It's still racist. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> but it has but to be But it's noted. also not the same as, like, if an American filmmaker oh, man. threw in some blackface. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a whole different discussion here. There is a whole different cultural lens that we don't have time to get into. Right. And I have not done the proper research on. I haven't either. I don't know. This is the, really the first time I've, I might have encountered it on this level absolutely on this level like i've seen bits right i have too but not... enough to know that it's not the same but Oof. yeah so that doesn't make it better no it just has to be noted <laughs> going into this film especially if you're going to watch it so there's that there's body horror that's a part of this subgenre because it is a part of the subgenre of uh cyberpunk yeah Barely, but it is. Barely, but it is. It's, yeah, it's still... More because of, like, a mad scientist Yeah, I character. think it's more on the fringe yeah. end of it. Yeah, because it's much more of, like, a supernatural fantasy splatter rather than cyberpunk Right, then true cyberpunk, yeah, yeah. Just a, a tinge of it in here. It, mostly just because of that Frankenstein element. I agree. Totally agree with that. So, yeah, you have the body horror. There is... We've already mentioned it with one of the people in the film, but there's wrist cutting. Yeah. So um, there's that. There's that. I mean, there's no, well, no, no nudity that I'm aware of. Oh, yeah. No, not that I can think of. I mean, it's weird. There's going to be weird things in it because it's Japanese. <laughs> I mean, I guess disturbing imagery might just have to cover the rest. I think that's kind of what I'm alluding to there. So, yeah, I think that you're right. That's a pretty good blanket for the rest of what it entails. And just on a tonal level, it's all over the place. Man, is it, dude? I love it for it. So let's get into how Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? So I feel like I might have said something along these same lines when we did Tokyo Gore Police, but I think I wrote what the fuck more times in my notes than I have ever had for any other movie so far. That's awesome, man. Yeah, because there's a lot of those moments in this film. Dude, this is a truly what the fuck is going on movie. It's not a what the fuck is going on movie. Like, it's extremely yeah. easy to follow. No, you're right. It's just the moments or the the things that are going on in the scenes are like, what, what, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> 
How? Why? No? Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> to me, that's what makes it special. Do you have a history with this movie at all? I, I really don't. Because, no. yeah. I was I, familiar with it, but I've never seen it prior to this weekend. Uh, this has been on my to-watch list for years. I guess, like, back up a little bit. Like, we chose this movie because, no offense to 964 Pinocchio, but we just didn't get enough of Japan that we wanted from that movie. Right. I think this was a good dose of what we needed. Like, it was almost like that movie gave us blue balls. You're right. I mean, it wound us up, but it never finished us off. Right, right, right. It didn't top us off. We needed that release. This fucking movie's release. God damn. Um, (laughs) It's been on my watch list for years because, and I don't know if they're still listening past the episode she was on, but when me and Charlie used to work together, Charlie was the one to first bring up to me both Tokyo Gore Police and Vampire Girl and Frankenstein Girl. Nice. Vampire Girl versus Frankenstein Girl. Did I say and or verse? Either way, y'all fucking know what I was talking about. Anyway, and I was like, oh, those sound fucking wild. And then I just never got to them Uh, until now. Perfect excuse to go see them and watch them. How did this movie make us squeal? I think I still might like Tokyo Gore Police more, but what the fuck? No, I think this one outdoes it in terms of what you were saying. Like, what the fuck? Just because it's like, I mean, of course, we're really looting around and jumping around stuff, but we'll describe it, of course, and then we'll make more sense of it. But it does. It has so many of those, like, what in the fuck? And I was curious. I'm like, how how quick is it going to jump into this? Like, how? Yeah, how soon are we going to kick it off? Like, I know it didn't take much time on Tokyo Gore Police, so I wasn't expecting it to take very long to get into it. But I was like, you know, this is a different movie. They're telling a different story. When is it going to get wacky? And then my very first fucking note is, this is bonkers. (laughs) Like. (laughs) It does start off. Well, we don't know it yet, but it's Monami and uh, Yukon. Mm. And she's got the eye patch, and they run across three of the Lolita girls, who at this point happen to be, I didn't know what the whole thing. I was like, okay, you know, it's just a a mutation. Have have we talked about Loli on this podcast yet? Nope, not to this extent. There's a lot of shit that comes up in this movie. Yeah, that was interesting already seeing, like, a group of girls that were very much fucking Lolita subculture. Without a doubt. And I'm like, I don't know a lot about that shit. It gets very unfairly sexualized over here in the West. I do know that the whole point of that subculture was so that they could portray themselves as non-sexual objects. I know. what Talk about irony when you bring it over here. I think it's one of those things that gets brought up a lot in the West as like, look at people being fucking pervs and people do perv out on it. But the whole point of the subculture was we're going to dress in a way that is non-sexual because Asian uh, women are objectified so hard. No puns, but yes. (laughs) And so especially like traditional lowly outfits also are like very concealing. Man. That's a solid point. That's a very solid point. They're just like super cute versions of fucking Victorian girls wear. Right. Exactly. And it's supposed to be, like you said, it's Lolita for a reason, if you know what that term means. Right. That's already creepy as mm-hmm. it is. But there we are. Exactly. So, so that's it what has you're to seeing noted. first off. Loli Franken girls. Right. <laughs> and one of my first notes, it literally says, I just put... Manami dispatches three sweet Lolita girls in gory fashion. It kicks off like that. And I'm like, 
All right. And it's not just that. It's not just that. It's the fucking song. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> fucking uh, pinky, pinky, pinky love. Yeah. Some boys kissing, some girls <laughs> dancing. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yes. Hell yes. I will say there's there's one almost a bad bit to this movie to me. Not I fucking enjoyed the shit out of this movie. Right. But one of my favorite gore effects happens right off the top. Because the first lowly skull getting knocked off and going and biting the second one Dude. and ripping her face off, that face rip is fucking gnarly. <laughs> and you're like, Jesus. Because <laughs> it takes a while. Also, um, I will say, like, we've danced around it a little bit. It was very weird watching this movie this weekend <laughs> when I have fucking, like, 15 staples in my leg right Dude. now. I had to go get knee surgery on Friday. That's a coincidence... If there ever is any, yeah. You know? So yeah, <laughs> and so I'd be I'd be looking up on screen and seeing these fucking Frankenstein girls, and then looking down at my fucking leg. I'm going to tell you right now that like the makeup effects that they had on their staples looks good because that's what my leg currently looks like. If you can only get it to mutate into a, a weapon, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, instead I'm just fucking hobbling around like an old man on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting coincidence once again. And then, look, so the fight starts going wacky, right? Oh, yeah. And I'm okay with this, and I'm following along, and we didn't do that. Like, Adam Chaplin wasn't that long ago. It was kind of some right. of the same weirdly campy over the top. Because I don't think the violence in this feels like the violence in Tokyo Gore Police. No, I don't either. I think you're right with that. I feel like that was much more pointed, and this is much more slapsticky. Yeah, this is a lot more comedic in that sense. And then they end it with her spearing, like, the <laughs> the blood arm blade spear up the vag. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, no, what? <laughs> so that's why I'm like, man, Japan, you've done it again. I'm like, oh. It's Yoshihiro. You did it again. You're my hero. You're my hero. <laughs> How do you do this? How do you come up with these things? Because you brought, dude, that song playing in the background was killing me during that scene. I loved it. I knew this was going to be a fun film as soon as I heard that. Oh, this soundtrack, by the way, is just baller. Oh, it slaps. Uh, Once again, just knocked it out of the park. Some of the songs I wouldn't listen to without the context of the scene, (laughs) but it's a great fucking soundtrack. Mm. No, it fit. It fit perfect for... Like, I ain't throwing on Pinky Love in my fucking... Oh, no, 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 no. You're not going to catch me bumping that. But in this context, yes, I will. Absolutely. Before we get too deep into <laughs> this, I want to say part of the genius of this movie is that it is a pretty fucking... Not a great, but a pretty fucking decent high school rom-com. Yeah. It does have stereotypes, without a doubt, in it. If, like, when I was watching this, I was like... So I'm kind of watching Can't Hardly Wait. I'm kind of watching 10 Things I Hate About You. I'm kind of watching American Pie. (laughs) Maybe not quite American Pie, but but, like... But you you get what we're saying. Because that was more of a throwback to the sex comedy. Which this isn't quite a sex comedy. It's like rompers. Yeah, Yeah. this... Exactly. It's kind of She's All That. It really is. It's kind of Never Been Kissed. It's kind of... Like your classic love triangle stories and mm-hmm. yeah, your teenage angst and 
all that shit. The high school experience. It's a very 90s high school rom-com. Yeah, and I love it. That was, was us. That was us. But here's the thing. Like, when you get into the school and it gets to that rom-com part, instead of, like, the jocks and the mean girls and the geeks and whatever... Instead, we're introduced to, well, the mean girls are still kind of the mean girls, but they're lowlies. Right. And it's different. It's definitely different. But they're still pretty much just the mean girls. Yes. I would say in place either of the jocks or in place of Seth Green and his friends and can't <laughs> hardly been wait. Yeah. Yeah, we know what they are. We have the Ganguro Club. Yeah, we have the Ganguro Club, and we have the Wrist Cutters Club. Who I think are a little bit more analogous to, like, uh, geek groups. In... I was going to say geeks and freaks. Yeah. Essentially. They, they're they like the, we're already slightly weird in high school, <laughs> so we're going to make ourselves weirder and yeah. be our own thing. This is, this is our shit right here. We do um, our thing. Although one of those characters ends up being the hyper-competitive character who you usually, I think, see a little bit more in either the Mean Girls or the Jocks. But Yeah, yeah, maybe that's like mm-hmm. the, a little placeholder for that group. Mm-hmm. But oh, wow. That, uh, <laughs> so <laughs> you watched this movie before me this week, and there was a bit where you're like, dude, I, I can't wait to see what, what you say. You know, the that first fight goes by, and I'm like laughing out loud because of how fucking ridiculous it is with like stacking up the skulls. And right. It's, it's fun. It's silly. Like you were saying, but, that's but I'm it. sitting there like none of this could be what he's talking about. And then they pan over the classroom <laughs> and you see Afro Rica. What the hell? Holy fucking blackface Batman. I'm like, I can't believe they're doing this right now. So from what I understand, Gongoro is another subculture in Japan that I think has mostly died out by now. Yeah, it was supposed to have died out actually like around this film's release, like the, okay. this time period specifically. But it was about going and getting super dark and tanning booths. Yes. And so this film parodies it by taking it to the next level, mixing it, like I said, with tropes that you see in American rom-coms. For like, like I said, like Seth Green and his buddies and fucking right, can't yeah. hardly been wait, right? This is just turning that up to eleven. <laughs> wow, all the way up. And there's there's one girl in the Gongoro group who like legit looks like what normal Gongoro girls look like. Yes, absolutely. The others are not so much. No, like they took it to the eleventh power, <laughs> and it's kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> I know, I know, I'm like, wow. I'm like, I should not be laughing at this. And I was, honestly, their parts weren't the funniest. I didn't laugh at them that much. But it's just ridiculous. But it's so fucking ridiculous. Afrika especially. I know it, man. I mean, I, I mean, know, the, the lip plate a... is one thing, but like legit. Oh like, my fucking Because then she had all the, the dialogue to back it up, too. You're right. I'm like, okay, you know, I... How, how are you supposed to feel about this? It's not right. But in the context of the film, that it's... it's, it's that I character. wish I'd been born in the illest race on Earth. No. I'm like, damn. Don't you be... What was she bitching about? Like uh, Milk and coffee. Like milk lattes. and coffee, yeah. And the chewing gum. 
Don't be putting like fucking white things in that black food. We only supposed to eat black. <laughs> black chewing gum. Yeah, black food. Like damn. <laughs> Everything. You, you Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, that shit was hilarious. I'm like, what the? F-? That's those moments though, like the what the fuck moments. The fucking Obama chant. <laughs> yes, we can. What the change? Fuck? <laughs> Yo, yeah, change. That was crazy, man. I, I thought it was, but. That you're right, but that's like a critique, of course, of that subculture, and it's they do, doing the it one at, girl does call it out right up top. Oh, like she's like, doubt. "Isn't this shit like for real racist?" And I those mean, other ones ain't here to listen, dude. The signs on the fucking door. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got it written down. It says "Super Dark Girls Club." Then underneath that is supposed to say, "Are you guys Japanese or what?" And then get as black as they come. yeah but that's what it is man you know oh you know something i found that was interesting i didn't know this about japanese culture is how they set up the whole point of how the love triangle starts with it being on valentine's day oh right and the the chocolate thing and you even have that opening in the beginning that yeah i was like that title screen you you know at first i thought it was just like you know okay we're just gonna use this day of course it's associated but i didn't realize that was actual thing that's what i'm getting at it's like oh it's cool it's called homemade choco right and it's different from another form there's another name so the difference between the two is in this version of it the homemade is that the women give chocolate to the guys they have romantic feelings for you know whether it's their husband a boyfriend or a single guy Right, because then there's also like the Geary Choco, right, which is like the more I have coworkers. respect for you right. and you're a coworker. Right, you're a guy. I have respect for you. Yes, have some chocolate. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, I never turned down some chocolate. <laughs> this would be easy for me. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> you know, give me that chocolate. So here's something interesting too that I was reading further is that the male version of that particular day is called like White Day. Okay. And it's celebrated on March 14th, mm. where the guys do what the w- women do on Valentine's Day. Oh, that's Day. interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. I didn't realize that. So little cultural thing I thought was really cool. And I found it in this film. Go figure. <laughs> Does it go straight from the fucking blackface club to the fucking wrist-cutting club? I think it's the wrist-cutters club is before. Mm. And then the way I've got it written down is... Yeah, once you see the Risk Clutters Club. Oh, no, you see the blackface group, and then fucking homeboy gets pulled out of class by the mean girls. Right. And they're like, uh, you are going to be her, oh, her boyfriend. Girl, yeah, her boyfriend. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, fine, whatever. Like, she's cute. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm not complaining, yeah. I mean, they're all bitches, but. Right. But, you know, they're cute. Yeah. And then that's when it cuts over to the fucking wrist cutters club. Yo, that's crazy, man. I was like, what? I I mean, I wasn't expecting it to come back so hard. I know it. I knew that it was a thing that, what's his name? Uh, Yoshihiro Nishimura likes to do or like have in his flicks for some reason. Because it was in Tokyo Gore Place. Like, I I think that's one of his calling cards. I don't know why. (laughs) I mean, it might be one of those things, too, that's. A subcultural thing in Japan. I don't know. It might but be. That was the thing that made me the most weirdly uncomfortable in this Dude, whole movie. It's fucking weird. Like but having a straight up wrist cutting club yeah. and taking it. Like it's humorous 
those scenes, oh, but course. it's fucked up. Yeah, I mean, it's super taboo over here. You know, where over there, it's... I think most of this is to the point where, yeah, I mean, it's it's pointing out these things in a not necessarily mocking manner, but, you know, in a slapstick style mm -hmm. to get the point across, like, these things exist. And we're exaggerating them. Right. But they still exist. I'll show you how ridiculous it is. Well, and to bring it back to, like, Can't Hardly Wait, this is kind of like the geek group from Can't Hardly Wait that are just, like, over <laughs> on the edge of the party. Yeah. That are honestly all kind of cool guys. Yeah. And you find out that if they just went and, like, hung out with everybody, everyone kind of gets along with them. But they're too caught up in, I mean, honestly, like, kind of self-flagellating for being outsiders. Yeah, that's true. They already feel like outsiders, so they make themselves be more of an outsider. Yeah. And, like, I understand this because, like, I was that geek kid. So, no, I like, mean, at a point, especially that age group, you know, you're all in your head. Everybody's mostly in their head. Or their egos is driving them the whole time, mm -hmm. you know. So it's easy to be, like, self-deprecating, like, ah, I don't belong. Have the imposter syndrome. And then you throw that in, like, with, like, the emo kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's so funny, man, but. It fits those stereotypes, if you will. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I see the point that the director was making with yeah, this. Yeah, it makes sense, dude. Because I do feel like, especially with there being a fucking competition in this movie, there's an easy argument to make that it's, like, glorifying it in some way. Right, but, I mean, no. I think it's just, let's be honest here, that's fucking ridiculous as it is. Right. Like, that they're going to have a risk-cutting championship. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I agree with you, but you know yeah. what I'm saying. But no, like, of course, you can make an argument because somebody's Because there's a fucking risk-cutting competition. Right, 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 right. Like, but, and, like, at no point does the movie treat it as a bad thing. Just you're right. another one of the official school clubs. <laughs> I was listening to um, somebody give a review on YouTube. Because every now and then I like to listen to some, you know, other people's thoughts and ideas. But I think this is something we actually brought up last week, and it happened to be a landscape shot that they use in 964 Pinocchio. Mm. But Troma, they have that set up too in their title screenshots and all that stuff. But some of these groups in this film do feel a little like some shit that you'd see in Troma, man. <laughs> you know, kind of can't help it. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, of course it's different cultures, but there's a little bit of that weirdness in there, you know. Of course this is heightened, I believe. I think it outdoes Troma in that department. Yeah. Uh, I agree. We get introduced to the new girl. Mm-hmm. Phew. Poly Central. And I I love it, and it had to groan when you heard her full name. <laughs> Arocada. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, cool. Alucard. Yeah, of course. Come on, man. I'm like, Mona me Arocado? Okay. <laughs> Avocado, you say? <laughs> I'm like, I know what you're saying all day long when you say those words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, you don't have to spell it out. We know. But, I mean, it's cool. It's cool. There's a part of me that wonders <laughs> if her first name is intentionally supposed to be like the French Mon Ami. Perhaps. For my love, Alucard. That makes sense. Yeah. Mon Ami. <laughs> I mean, Ami, it all could be friend. Yeah, but, friend, but you know. But I know what you're saying. Still, I mean, it would make sense. <laughs> yeah, she's trying to get up on Jugon as well. And, like, she's kind of succeeding. Oh, yeah. Well... The teacher in that classroom is, like, confiscating every girl's chocolate. He's ain't having that shit, right? Mm -hmm. So we learned because after class and all that stuff, 
she hid a small little chocolate. She's like, you know, no one notices me, and I figure this is small enough or no one will notice it. So far, her introduction when he's like, she was very beautiful. Like, are you? Most of the time, everyone noticed her, but nobody noticed her. Yeah, like nobody noticed her when she's there. No one noticed her where she's gone. And they have those like mm-hmm. little montage, if you will. But I liked it. It was cute. It was it was funny. Well, it reminded me of like some of that like almost Twilight type bullshit, right? Yeah, I mean it's kind of sitcommy and yeah, just bubblegummy. We're like, yeah. Fucking drop dead gorgeous girl moves I to mean, a new school but goes you, you uh, unnoticed it. because you it's required it. for the teenage plot. Like, can't hardly wait with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Right. You know, she had the Pop Tart. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Speaking of Twilight, dude swooping in. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but it has those moments. Like, it has that feel. And I agree. It was, it's a good setup to what happens. So she presents him her chocolate and he notices something about it because he bites into it it's like what is this taste it's delicious right he loves it but so homeboy was instructed to act as flat as he does in this movie right oh yeah i would imagine so we've both seen 13 assassins homeboy can act dude yeah nobody does a bad job in that movie no i think he was supposed to play like really dumb like yeah like the airhead like Dude, you got two cutie pies fighting over you. What is wrong with you? Dude, even the line deliveries are fucking just hilariously, <laughs> like, almost like bad video game cutscene voice acting. Yeah, and I think it was done on purpose, given mm-hmm. the characters and some of the lines and over-the-top deliveries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He eats the chocolate. We all know what happens when you eat vampire blood. Right. First, you recognize that when you make a cut, you... Do that. It's like, oh, that's blood. But then you start tripping balls. <laughs> so the CGI is dated as fuck. Right. But this is Still one of my cool. favorite versions of, like, representing a vampire's bloodlust. I like it. It does have a comic booky, you know, manga feel, but that's good for the CG, like you were saying. Yeah, it's dated, but it still looks good. It gets I just the like point across. I love the idea of, like... His vision going down to, like, people just look like walking circulatory Dude. systems and shit. Right. Tell me another film that you've seen that do Dude, that. Like it's, that. It's such a fucking good way to portray a vampire's bloodlust. Yeah. Like, Dude, Even if really the cool. CG doesn't look the greatest. It's not the greatest, but. All the ideas are there, and they're fucking oh, yeah. solid. I liked it. I thought it was really cool. No complaints for me. Oh, what did you, I mean, of course, the character himself, the vice principal. At first, he comes off as like a just a scaredy cat. Didn't see the twist coming. No. He turns into Herbert West, <laughs> <laughs> Japanese Herbert West, and in Dr. Kabuki. Frankenstein in kabuki makeup. And I love how over the top his character gets when he's in that. Oh, yeah. And that particular character. Man, holy shit. He's because awesome. he was already over the top as the vice principal, but in a different way. Right. He's the bumbling fool, mm-hmm. mad scientist. Oh, not mad scientist, but he's just a nerdy scientist mm-hmm. who's scared of this teacher. Like, you're vice. Anyway. And he's subservient to his daughter, it appears. You know? And then fucking. Yeah. What the fuck? Kabuki's out. Dude. Goddamn Kabuki Kenji over there. Yeah, and he has uh, Nurse Midori as his assistant. Hello, nurse. I know. You talk, man, good job in casting in this film. I'm not complaining. Also, didn't see the twist coming with her as no. her being his fucking <laughs> assistant. 
That was awesome. And it's silly over the top. It gets gory at times. It gets super fucking silly. <laughs> Dude, that first bit where they actually show them together, like, killing the fucking kid. Mm-hmm. And she's like, all right, I'll do it. <laughs> we got him. I like how they do it. They just inject the kid in the neck. Mm-hmm. You don't know exactly who. Yeah, and you're like, what the fuck? It's a nurse. And she just gets out, and she's like, <laughs> you can't see it's what so I'm doing, silly. but it's just, it's. Right. There's no malice, just like s- simply swinging these sharp implements, and they're happening to go into his chest, and there's blood it's spraying like everywhere. If and, his body was a xylophone, <laughs> and you have like the the levitating, circling oh hand and shit. It's and so silly. It's so funny. You see what fucking Kabuki Kenji makes, and it's disgusting looking. <laughs> yeah, to me, it felt like Reanimator. It did feel like Reanimator, right? It's silly, but I liked it. We passed over it really quickly, but fucking. When you saw the janitor, there was no way his name wasn't going to be Igor. Oh, my God, damn. Yeah, that's so funny, man. I don't know how much you've done research because I'm like, where exactly does Igor come in in terms of, like, his character? Where's his origins and shit like that? Oh, yeah, no, I never really did. Yeah, I was just kind of curious, out of curiosity's sake. So, of course, it has to do with Frankenstein, but Frankenstein's assistant, I think later yeah. on, wasn't even in Mary Shelley's book. I go Right. <laughs> it was a character actually named Fritz. Oh, okay. And Fritz on stage transformed into Igor, which I think they said it was like a composite character of all these other, I think I don't know if it was folklore or like, but it was spelled different too. It wasn't spelled like, you know, with the I. It was, I think it was like Y. Oh, okay. Something like, like that. Like actually like Igor? Yeah, it was pretty... Like was that actually a really smart joke Pretty in that close, movie? perhaps, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, long story short, it was uh, Bella Lugosi portrayed that character in one of the Frankenstein movies. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Son of Frankenstein. There you go. It was and like two movies. And then goes to Frankenstein a few years later. Yeah. So I was like, oh, shit. I didn't even know that. I had no idea. Oh, Y-G-O-R. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. So... I was like, damn, I, I never knew that. So here's two things I've learned in a fucking film as ridiculous as this <laughs> about some pop culture things, even here in the States, you know? So I'm always learning. Oh. oh Peter Lorre. Did he ever actually play him? I don't know, but he I fucking looks like, like him. He was always the Igor character in, like, cartoons. You know? They'd always give, like, Igor Peter Lorre's voice in cartoons when we were growing up, right? That's solid, yeah. Did he I, ever actually play Igor? I almost feel like we might have talked about this when we talked about, I think it was The Raven. He played The Hunchback a number of times. Right, and that might have been it. Maybe not Igor, but yeah, Hunchback. Which that would have been, that's a shame. Because he would have been perfect. I don't think he uh, did. Because I always think of the character of Igor with Peter Lorre's voice. Dude, his voice is perfect. Yes, master. And he has the build for it. Mm-hmm. We just have to hunch over a little bit. I can only do even the, a little bit of a Peter Lorre because of fucking Casablanca. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes, Rick. Yes. <laughs> you must save him, Rick. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, his character, I like it, man. Especially, like, it's so menacing in the background until you learn who he is. I mean, he's still a badass. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I'm not complaining. But I'm just... It feels like he's like an evil character more so than what he actually is, even though he's doing like evil shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so fucking mean girl tries to get creepy teacher to creep on Monami. 
Yeah, because she's like, oh, yeah, I followed her, and she's, like, selling herself to older guys. In the park after dark. Did you hear what he said to her in reply? (laughs) Yeah. Are you doing that? Yeah, you you should. should. I'm like, damn. If you're not paying attention, I mean, yeah, it's fucked up, but goddamn, that's fucked up. That's funny. (laughs) But, yeah, at the same time, he is stalking Monami. Well, I got to say that actually weirdly also reminded me of Battle Royale, because when you find out that the one... Dude. The one girl was turning tricks and, like, pimping out her classmates. Mm. I'm all fucked up. <laughs> but you're right. Dude, dude another... Dude. Her fucking taking out, like, dude. the dudes in the park. <laughs> right? Like... Right. Uh, first, first things first, I knew she was a vampire. That was already established. Right. I didn't know she was going to be turned into, like, this... I don't know, like, her jaw's getting dislocated so she can bite into that guy. Almost like a shark. <laughs> yeah. It was weird, man. But like then a creature. The, but then, like, you almost have, like, a singing in the rain. Yeah, and then it gets, that's, I'm like, <laughs> what? Once again, I didn't write down so the lyrics boring. to that song. I didn't But either. it was, once again, super fucking, maybe not quite, like, J-pop poppy, but no. super poppy. Yeah. Blood just raining down. She's dancing around in it, and dude has to try to get a picture. Exactly. And it's just over-the-top gore. Over-the-top blood. I can't describe it. Go fucking watch the movie. Well, like we were saying, if you've seen Tokyo Gore Police, you'll have a better idea of what we're talking about with the blood. Adam Chaplin, too, and shit like that. But, man, (laughs) it's so silly. It's ridiculous. I liked it. The song, the whole scene that it's creating. Yeah, and you're right. This guy's trying to take a picture. (laughs) He fucks up. And then it, like... She gets him almost in like a legit horror fashion where he's like backing up and she's suddenly behind him and like looking down at him. And you're like, oh, she's a fucking for real vampire. Yeah, she ain't fucking around. I mean, she's being silly, but she ain't fucking around. You know what? Let's pause this for a second because now we've talked about how powerful she is now. (laughs) Monami Arakato versus Alucard. Oh, shit. Versus Alucard. Hmm. Okay, I see what you're saying there. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> okay. Versus D. Okay, 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 okay. Ah, man. Because they might be some of the most high-powered fucking characters in vampire fiction we've ran across. Right. I, as much as I like her, I think she might be at the bottom. I think she might be at the bottom, too. Those other three are... They're fucking badass. I mean, she's she's awesome, but she has a lot of weakness. Comparatively. Right, right. She's very dependent on things. I agree. I think she's at the bottom. Who do you think she gives the best run for their money? I think maybe Castlevania Alucard. Yeah, that's like when you were saying Alucard twice, I was like, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're doing. Perhaps, yeah, perhaps. I think that's probably the most even matchup. I think D yeah, and Alucard yeah, are yeah. I think even though on a be, different level. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. Like, they're going to waste her. Yeah. And, like, I don't think D... Holds a candle to Alucard. No, he doesn't. But I think he probably stands the best chance. I say he put up a damn good fight. We talked about how long he's been around. Mm -hmm. And he's got left hand helping him. That's what I'm saying. That's going to help. It's going to be a hell of a fight. But, oh, man, we've seen what our boy can do. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Sorry, Monami. I'll pick you number one, though. I mean, look, if if we're going for... (laughs) I'm trying to think. Like, she'll kill James Woods. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she'll get James Woods. 
she'll get everybody in Fright Night. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie, but she will. Uh, she'll probably stand a chance in Near Dark and stuff. I, I think she'd stand a chance in... Um, she'd wipe the floor with the Near Dark vamps. Like, what do you think cool. about uh, From Dust Till Dawn? As long as she didn't get overwhelmed by pure numbers. Yeah, yeah. Solid. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, then she... One-on-one, on one, she takes any of those easy. Mm-hmm. Maybe even ten-on-one. She's badass. I mean, she can hold her own. But there was a lot of those vamps. Yeah, she, well... Yeah, there's some there's some things we're not revealing, like with some of her powers. Is like thinking about it, she has some unique powers, but yeah. she gets drained. It seems like pretty easy after she uses them. That's the only thing I'm thinking. If she didn't get drained so bad, like yeah. she'd be higher up. And that's where she and D have that similarity. Yeah, but he he has way more. Stamina that's what I'm saying, dude. Fuck, man. I, I yeah, sorry. I think he'd take her out. And this is all and from, and from what so we've silly. seen at like higher levels too. Yeah. Like not only does he last longer, <laughs> but he lasts longer putting out. Man, more. dude, are you kidding me? <laughs> that dude's so badass. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah, and left hand. I mean, she doesn't have that. No, no. Left hand, I think, neutralizes a lot of what she could potentially throw. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, I like this conversation. I mean, there's probably a lot of people got tuned out, but. <laughs> But go watch those films. You'll see what we're talking about. And I think there's there's some validity in these arguments. I mean, as, you know, hypothetical as they are, they're still fun to think about. Uh, I would like to excuse the fact that somebody just decided to fire up the fucking lawnmower outside, but we're not going to stop our recording now just for this bullshit. Yeah, so know, right? y'all are going to hear that in the background while we're talking for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's still lawnmower season right there at the end of it, but, yeah. you know, it is what it is. They usually don't do that shit at 7.20 at night, though. I don't know what the fuck's going on right now. Yeah, you're right. So here's a few things I wrote down. We talked about already Vice Principal, his reveal. Oh, wait, let's throw Blade in there real quick. Oh, yeah, well, that's that's a whole different discussion, too, right? Yeah, I know he'd be higher on the list than her, I would, I would think. Maybe. That's a tough one. I think he's got maybe as many limitations as her, but mm-hmm. he's also a lot more keen to just, like put a fucking bullet in someone's head too <laughs> yeah he's not fucking around dude he don't have time for games no everyone yeah almost everyone else on that list plays games right he don't play games he doesn't have time for that shit he gets right to the fucking point right right and if you slipping you might be off you might be a big boy gets off too i think he's he's the dark horse i, I agree he's the wild card <laughs> he's the joker of this crowd yeah everybody every deck needs a joker or a wild mm-hmm. card yeah i like it Anyway, all right. We, <laughs> we, we can get back to this movie, right. but that was a, a nice thought now that we've talked about so many fucking what, vamps. <laughs> all right. Where we left off is where Uchiyama, the teacher, is getting killed by Monami, right? Because he's been perving out. I have to bring up one more vamp that I think no, beats okay. them all. I think he might be able to beat them all. Colin Robinson. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he probably could. Just bore him to death. Bore him to death. <laughs> Yeah, he's a psychic vampire. Just drain you. <laughs> that shit is so funny. Alucard couldn't let him talk. As soon as he started talking, done. Dude, left hand would have to keep going, keep that conversation going. <laughs> keep him, yeah, keep him going. <laughs> but yeah, I think everybody else would be drained. Gotta give it up, Colin Robinson. I know. Talking about Dark Horse. <laughs> 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 shit, that was a good one. I like it. Teacher's dead, but 
also the reason why that is playing or as it's playing out Minami's having a conversation with Yugan on the roof of the school because she has a proposal she gives him she's like she wants him to live with her forever as a vampire and he's like I don't think I can do that she's like well you know my secret so I don't have to kill you he's like you know what <laughs> yeah I think I'd be a vampire I, I'm cool with that yeah so you know she bites her lip that part was hilarious who'd want to be a vampire well I guess I have to kill you <laughs> Sign me up. I'm cool with that. <laughs> I give him credit there. We talked about being, being an airhead. He's smart as fuck right there. Yep. He's like, if it's with her, I'm, a, I'm cool with that. You know. But anyway, she's telling him the story of the teacher because it's weighing on him. He's starting to notice like there's missing people at the school. He's an airhead, but he ain't dumb. No, he's not dumb. He's just absent-minded about the girls and women in his mm-hmm. life. You know, He's putting some stuff together, right? And she's like, yeah. She shows him or explains to him. She's like, are you worried about Mr. Uchiyama? He's like, how did you know? She's like, oh, yeah, because yada, yada. She's like, yeah, I killed him. I'm a vampire. <laughs> you know, and, she, and then she shows him the camera. Mm-hmm. She's like, he knew my secret. I had to do it. <laughs> What's and Igor, she's like, yeah. Igor's over there burning his body right now. <laughs> Igor's just like, yo, what's up? <laughs> yeah, and he is. Like, it shows the glasses and the skeleton like damn okay that's why i was like it's playing the story as she's telling it to jugon but it's also in a weird way a continuation of where the story is following as well so it's like it's it's interesting layers and then we get her backstory transferred through the blood which was cool yeah i like that partially because we got to see uh yeah i was like where she fit in oh there she is yeah and she does a little bit of what she's known for some sword play yeah, you know, her part was silly as fuck. Of course it was. Right after she got shot, and it's like, it has some biblical meanings. It really does, considering who's chasing after her. <laughs> so, you know, like, a book was written, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Dude. I want yeah. St. Francis Xavier, Vampire Hunter. I'm not opposed to that. That would be as silly as it sounds. I think it'd be fun. And especially if he has some crazy fucking zombie sumo wrestler wow assistant that felt like for whatever reason that character like that yokozuna dude reminded me of like almost like he had a personal golem even if that's not the right religion (laughs) you're not too far off though but yeah he his character was over it almost felt like a mortal Kombat character yeah in a way it's like be a nightmare to run up against <laughs> but yeah her battle because you know we we learned that dude her, the blood skating that's what i'm getting at we learned that her mom was a vampire and they like so the the saints chasing after her yeah she gets shot but then she because she's a vampire and because this movie deals with mutations and what have you yeah she develops some kind of blades wheels whatever you want to call them and she's dodging bullets and shit. Well, they're like they're uh, like feet wheels because they roll on their right, own. Right, right. But she's kind of using them like skates. And even <laughs> though they're wheels, the edges are kind of bladed. Yeah, yeah. Because then she's using them to fuck them up in the face. Yeah, and she gets a little too close. Yeah. I mean, she fucks them up. She turns them into the blood glob. Mm-hmm. And, you know, wipes them out. That I don't drains understand. Her, I d- honestly... 
like <laughs> it feels weird to say this, but almost all the other <laughs> violence in this movie and like gore kind of makes sense. Right. This I don't know what that was. I don't know what that was. That was kind of a cop out. Yeah. I felt like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we need to use the rest of this gelatin that we made. <laughs> yeah, because she basically just like she touches, just touches the dude him. back and he. I mean, she does transform more uh, her eyes and all that shit. But that was probably like her last stand, mm-hmm. her defense. That was a little disappointing. But yeah, I agree. Life, I, I agree. Else. I agree. It, it did feel like a cop out. And then, of course, because of that, honestly, it, those I like. It's fucking silly, but those yeah. wheels looked funky too. It did. I was like, "There's no other movie that's going to do this. There's no other." But they just looked funky too. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't like rounded off. They had. It was kind of like so. If you took a Duncan Butterfly yo-yo. And split it in half, yeah. and made them bigger, and made out of jagged shards of blood, and put one half on e- either side of each of your feet. It wasn't like a normal wheel. It was like these weird cones. Yeah, that it was worked odd. as wheels. <laughs> it worked for them. <laughs> it was odd, but you know she gets off in front of Monami when she's young, and that's pretty much what it rounds out. But the whole mm-hmm. point is, is Jugon's getting that so he knows what happened where she comes from and all that stuff but now we also have to mention that's where she gets her cape as well from her oh, mom yeah 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 so that's very important that's uh it's a little bit of her secret weapon the cloak if you will not really robe but the cloak all right oh okay okay there is a scene in the nurse's office because yugon's having like you know headaches but whatever not feeling good Minami wants Oh, yeah, that's when way earlier she tried to get him blood, and it got interrupted by Keiko. Yeah, Keiko came in, yeah, and she takes a swipe at her and knocks the blood on the floor. So that's why I wanted to bring that up. Reason being is because a little bit later on, the nurse goes back in to clean it up, and the guys are outside watching because it looks like she's kind of getting off. Mm -hmm. But really, this the blood from Manami. That scene felt really kind of classic slapsticky to me. Yeah, of course. It's like a... A romper, those old it was porky fun. films and it shit. It was fun. I kind of tuned out a little bit until the yeah. next scene when she actually gives the doc Kenji. Yeah, the, gives him the blood sample. The blood, and that part was silly as fuck. Oh, yeah, I mean, eventually it turns into an arrow. It turns like, into yes. an arrow following the... Oh, my God. And he dude. drops his blood in there, and it's just over-the-top blood rushing. He's like, oh, this is the key. This is what I'm missing. Yeah, and it kind of goes from there. Here's where the Chinese professor comes into play. That shit had me rolling anyway, just because it was so fucking dumb. Yeah. Finding out he's the director of The Grudge. And talking about it in the American remake while he's giving a Chinese lesson. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, I I can't remember what it was, but he's like, yeah, this, 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 that's... That's Chinese for the grudge. Yeah. Like in like, Japanese, it's Juan. Yeah. Now switch and to did English. Did any of you watch any of that? And then he made mention you, of another you director. You, you are cool. It's so funny, man. <laughs> I thought it was really cool, especially when you learn who he is. You're like, oh, fuck. That makes perfect sense. So that whole scene plays out with him and all that stuff. Then you get the wrist cut rally. Oh, yeah. The championship. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How does the girl that cuts her own arm off not win? I'm thinking because she cut her own arm off. That's the only thing I can think. Like, you're not supposed to go that far with it. You're only supposed to cut your wrist. <laughs> you went too far. Automatic loser. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I was like, dude, I figured that's what you wanted, all that gore and blood and shit. If you, if, Yeah, if in that little amount of time you can get all the way through, 
you win, right? Yeah, I guess it's not that kind of contest. <laughs> you just want it messy. You don't want it detached. Yeah, so our girl wins it. Right after that, yeah, you get the flashback. With, we've already mentioned it, but Keiko interrupts once again, and she starts to attack Minami. And Minami's just dodging her attacks. She's like, you're never going to learn. She dodges up one, and she goes over the rails and splat. Yeah. And, of course, you know, everybody's freaking out. But it starts a course of serial murders right after this. Right. Yes. And we find out. Nurse Midori, she's killing students. She's also killing staff. She takes out the wrist cutter. She takes out Afro Rika. She takes she gets out, the wrist cutter's arms because right? th- they're so trained <laughs> that they could what what yeah. did, like block a sword? What do they fucking uh, yeah, say? Yeah, something like, like that. Something of that. It's something silly. They get Afro Rika's uh, legs, legs because she wanted to be the fastest. She always makes mention of Joiner, and I'm guessing is J- Jackie Joiner. Right. Right. I mean, it makes sense. Right. So, yeah, take her legs. They take the lungs of the professor, the guy we just talked about, because he's, he's, he actually is Chinese. Yeah. And I and guess so because he's of used the, to breathing the contaminants, the contaminants from all the exhaust fumes. Jesus. Yeah. So she takes his lungs and stuff. And we we learn why, because Kenji's down there playing Dr. Frankenstein. Well, he learns he's putting things together. He knows the blood is vital. He just doesn't know to what capacity until he's starting to play around with the screws, right. the bolts and stuff. And they become these weird flesh-like creatures, almost like the key very in much Tokyo like Gore the Police. Very much like the key in Tokyo Gore Police. It's very fleshy and worm-like. Right. They're kind of the same thing, but just alive. Right, right. They're animated. And, like, self-animated. Yeah. Which is the important thing. Like, there's there's nothing that should be giving them life at all other yeah. than what he this, did. Yeah, exactly. So he pieces it together, and then he he's literally pieces some body parts from that kid. And it's, it's what, like two feet, the eyeballs, and yeah. the hand, essentially. And he, all right, so he's, he's figuring shit out. So, like, you know he made a self-propelling just <laughs> ball of dicks, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like Why you, not? You've got, a fan you've of got dicks. A, it's like a koosh ball of dicks <laughs> that just rolls itself everywhere like tumbleweed. <laughs> you could do it. I mean, in these films, you can do that. <laughs> All right. At a certain point, Keiko's friends, the Lolita girls, they wind up pulling Jugan aside. We learn that he gets abducted because Minami's in a classroom and there's a, a sign, it's something on the chalkboard. It's like, hey, you know, meet me at the campus. I'm really glad, by the way, that you took down notes of that part because this is where I just started to just watch the movie too much. Yeah, no, I didn't get very all it good is notes. is just they're calling out Minami. Like Keiko, yeah. the reanimated Keiko is calling out Minami. They have Jugan. So, she, of course, she obliges. He's, he's on a cross. Crucified. Yeah, he's, he's crucified. He's on a cross in the gym mm-hmm. with the mummy version right now of Keiko. Yes. In the Lolita Girls. And. Our vampire girl comes in all dabbed out. <laughs> and, you know, we get the unveiling of Frankenstein girl. She's all pieced together. And it starts a little thing in the, uh, the well, gymnasium. Well, from here on out, it's basically one extended action scene. Right. All it comes down to is the love triangle fight. It's like, this is the fight for his love. And he's like, I don't have a say in this. <laughs> what about my feelings? Like, little silly shit, man, but he's right. He's right, but these girls are like, no, this is my dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he ate my chocolate. 
<laughs> yeah, but it's it's not a bad fight. It's not a bad fight. As silly as it is, you know, who's it? Keiko, she like unattaches her arm so that she can use it as like a boomerang. And it's got the fucking the box cutter. Right. From Kiriko, the wrist cutter from earlier. And like nothing Monomi throws at her can cut her because mm-hmm. the arms are too trained up. Right, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's blocking her sword attack and shit. Mm-hmm. Doesn't she have like some kind of weird mutated swords, if you will, that she uses? Yeah, whenever Blood her swords. wrists end up getting cut. Yeah, she just like goes for it. Or basically anytime she has any extra blood from her because yeah she so does it she early can, on in the film mm-hmm. and a little bit later on too but you're right she uses it because she gets sliced up in a block attempt and she's like good job that's actually pretty good mm-hmm. yeah 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 and then because she thwarts a couple attacks one of the girls gets it one of the little girls uh the other one i'm trying to think how she gets it i know i'm having a hard time oh well, when they're about to start oh, turning the, the tide, cage. Igor shows up. Yeah, that's right. Battle Igor. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. He's using rib cages. I don't and know spinal... how his rib cage and spinal column thing is supposed to work, but it's fucking great. At one point, because it does latch onto one of the Lolita girls' face. It looks like a face hugger. Thank you. I was thinking that's alien right there. But nothing about how it works explains how it works. He's got like no, a spinal <laughs> column. That seems to extend almost at will. Right. Well, if he's the same guy from Tokyo Gore Police, it makes sense. But (laughs) this is Igor. Attached to a rib cage that, how, what does it, it like attaches to their head and then it falls off and then their head explodes, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Does it do something to them while, I know, I think it's off by the time their head fucks up, right? I think you're right. I don't think it crushes heads or anything like that, but it latches on for sure. There was so much going on. I can't remember right. right. There's so much I'm trying to think of right yeah, now. Yeah, it, it gets bonkers. I mean, this movie's bonkers as it is, but you're right. These action sequences, they're even more bonkers. He thwarts those attacks. You're right. He finishes one of the girls. The two girls, Frank is... No, the first two? one... I, I know think he the, gets one for sure. The first one, I believe, gets off by... The wrist. I mean, you know, like the, the detached arm because it gets thwarted. Oh, okay. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. she winds up getting in the path of it. But the second one definitely Igor gets. Mm-hmm. And then that leaves. Well, that's what I, I want to yeah, say. He gets, other I think he right. might get two of them because then Kabuki Kenji and Nurse Midori show up. Right. And that's and she's who he's all... holding off while the others go have their battle right, right, up right, on right. Tokyo Tower. You're right. That's one, that's two. Yeah, I can't remember how the other one. I, I totally forget. I got it somewhere in here. But <laughs> you're yeah, right. They go up to Tokyo Tower, Frankenstein Girl and Manami. It's Dude, actually Manami fucking, goes up there first. Right. And then Frankenstein Girl follows. She uses the fucking propeller arm, whatever feet. <laughs> yeah, she nails the arm into the top of her head so that it's a helicopter propeller. Like, what is going on? But yeah, which it, is amazing. It, I love it. As silly as it is, it's like you. Know, I'm going with it, man. I mean, honestly, at that point, you're too far into the movie anyway. You yeah. might as well go with it. That's like there's only like maybe ten minutes left. I'm I'm down. I'm down. Yeah, they battle at the top. That fight's kind of confusing because some of the shit doesn't make sense. Like her getting thrown sort of into the tower against that wall or that beam or whatever makes sense. But yeah, how yeah. she got spiked with all that metal at the same time doesn't <laughs> one bit. I, I don't know. I don't know. But what it does is it causes her to grow into like Mecca. 
Frankenstein right, well, girl? Because, like, she's partially made of, like, living metal, right? So yeah. if you get more metal in her body, it kind of makes sense she can use it. Um, I, uh, I mean, who am I to... <laughs> so at that point, she doesn't really have legs anymore, right? Right. Am no, I remembering she just has, this? like, these extendo arms. How is it going? Is her legs now her propeller? Is that what's happening? Yes. Because yes. then the arms are at the end of the mechanical extendo arms. Right. And I think that those metal pieces might have been the ones that were piercing her that give the... I, I see it Well, right some here. of those she shoots back out. Yeah. It's interesting to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. All decked out, Igor is fighting Nurse Midori, who's... Once again, she's like Franken version of herself, right? Because she she, she died earlier, yeah. And we got to see her. Oh, that up was face. pretty funny, man. Like there was the whole student body figured out who was killing the the staff because they took up this association, mm-hmm. and they an alliance of all the <laughs> club, uh, you know, yeah. And they drove her off the edge of the uh, top of the school. But yeah, right. Anyway, she uh, she has those hand eyeball things. Yeah, she has. <laughs> Finger electric. eye. T- she has finger eye nipples. Right. She has finger eye nipples. And she has electric charged nunchucks. You don't ever see her nipples. No. 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 And in fact, at one point, Kenji chides her for being too sexy, and she <laughs> yeah. has to like cover herself back up some. But where her nipples obviously are, there's eyeballs that are ringed with fingers coming out of them. Yeah, like a bou- a finger bouquet with an eyeball in the center. <laughs> A lotus eyeball. (laughs) Here's where it gets silly once again, if that's not silly enough for you, is back up there on the tower. I'm trying to get some point that cross got driven up there. Right. Some explosion happens, right? Because that comes from down below, and it fucking slams into the side of the tower. Right. And that causes Jugon to be at the edge of it. It Mm -hmm. tips Minami over from the edge. Keiko... Blows exhaust into Manami's face. <laughs> it makes her pass out. She also gets her fucking cloak at that point too, uh, right? And I think I think that's when that explosion it knocks Keiko right. back, and she loses it. And then Jugon gets the cloak. He saves Manami, puts it back on her, starts that whole thing. He's hanging off the fucking cross. Right. He bites. Yeah. He bites his lip, gives her enough blood to where Keiko, she starts to shoot all those metal pieces at Manami. But Manami lets her because she's like, if I get all fucked up, I can use my own blood. That was kind of cool. Her eyes go like yellowed out. Yep. And uses her blood to turn into like these spikes. Yeah. Whatever. They pierce little daggers, if you want to call them that. And they just fucking shred. Blood rain on her. Yeah. Oh, that's actually what I wrote down was blood rain. Yeah. It turns Keiko literally into a skeleton because it peels all her flesh off. A real fucked up skeleton because we mentioned her <laughs> legs are on top of her head acting as This is some army of darkness shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then she gets... Knocked up on top of the Tokyo she gets can- Tower. Yeah, she gets cannibal holocausted <laughs> yeah, on the top of the Tokyo Tower. Just to be extra, really. Super extra. All right. Because she's drained of all her power, she and Yukon go into this free fall. And she's like, she used it earlier. Talking as a free action. Uh, Yes, naturally, naturally. And her cloak's all, you know, hold out. She gives him the cloak. 
He makes it down safely. She winds up using like the, I get the tiny cut from little earlier. bit of blood. Yeah, to latch on to the tower where she's just dangling, and he starts to have that inner dialogue about her, and he wants to be with her and all this stuff. So he's going to try to save her. It must be so lonely to be alive all these years. Yeah, he's you I know could, I could cure her loneliness. He's I trying to be, be empathetic. Her. Yeah. And then I'm going to trip like fucking like a little bitch. Dum-dum. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, Igor, Igor's there. Igor's got her. Let's her down. And I don't mean let her down like in a bad way. I mean. Catches her. He catches and her. And then puts her down. And then he explodes. <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? And then it goes into kind of where we started with at the beginning of the film. Yes. Right. They're on this walk. Minami in um, Jugon. And it's right after she kills the. Those the, three Lolitas the from Frank earlier. And yeah. And he, you know, he says that he wants to be with her forever and all that shit. And he he asks, she's like, why, you know, what what's that with Igor? And she's like, oh, it's interesting. He's like, after like 100 years or so, they just. They always die. They always die. And then he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, does that make me a slave now? And then we get fucking, holy shit. This is crazy. Freaking composite advanced life yeah. form. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? So it's Kenji. He's franked because out. Igor just shows up to catch her. Here, I'm looking we at We don't it. see the conclusion of that fight. We see Igor take care of Nurse Midori. Right, right. But we don't know what happens between him and Kenji it until like, he just shows I, up. It looked right? like Kenji was pierced from that fucking cross back in the gym. Oh, okay. Because he and Igor were going at it. But we don't really see it. It's implied. Basically, I guess what I'm getting at is we don't see him mm. die. Mm. I know what it is, too. One of those screws and shit are still alive, and it gets attached to them. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So he uses a part of that kid from earlier, that creation he used as a part as a part of his face. He's got legs as arms. <laughs> He's got Nurse Midori's face in the middle, like uh, Flavor Flav. <laughs> <laughs> He's still kabukied out. Yeah, and uh, looks like Manami's going to battle with him. And that's pretty much the end. That's where it cuts off. Homeboy learns that he's the next slave. Yeah, and but what he asked her, he's like, how many were before me? She's like, I don't know, I kept count. I told you I'm not good with numbers. <laughs> like, I've stopped counting. <laughs> so, man, what a fun film, dude. It's it's silly, it's gory, it's playful. It can be offensive at times in terms of how you want to, you know, interpret things. Because once again... We're not going to defend it. The no. blackface is fucking racist. No, when I the first time I saw him, I'm like, wow, how the <laughs> fuck are we going to talk about this? And I think the way to talk about it is just call it what it is. Right. But it's also not the same. It's not the same as its use would be here in the States. It's not cool regardless, but man. And I do feel like we sort of talk through the scenes more than we normally try to rather right. than talk wow. about the scenes. <laughs> yeah. But you kind of have to establish what the fuck's going on at any there given time in this movie because there's so, much, so crazy. much wild shit going on. That's I think they really ratcheted up the silly and the what the fuck in this one compared to Tokyo Gore Police. Even though I do feel like Tokyo Gore Police is probably a better film all around. This one, I think you could probably get with, casual viewers. Yeah, up to I was going to say with the right audience i was gonna say to a, a good degree. party movie to a degree yeah because you like i said that because it's such a touchy and sensitive topic we already 
talked about it several times. I mean, not just the blackface. You right. have a fucking wrist cutter. That's what I'm saying. It's some taboo stuff in this. But I think if you can accept it for what it's trying to remark upon and not what we take it as. If you didn't like the sexuality aspect, though, of Tokyo Gore Police, this is a great alternative. Oh, yeah. Because the sexy super turned down. Yeah, exactly. The cutie pie is ratcheted up and the sexy is turned down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I'm cool with that. But you're right. I think if you're a fan of, of any of these films we've actually talked about up to now, right? We've This is the fourth one. It, I'm so even though it's on about the like French, Hell Driver and shit now, dude. Likewise. I've, I can tell you this. I've got Robo Geisha at home. I've got Mutant Girl Squad at home. That's it. I've been looking out for those other ones. Eventually, I'm going to get them. streaming on like a bunch of shit right now, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. But I still like to get a hard copy of those films because they're so fucking gnarly. Yeah, yeah, we're going to eventually cover all of those movies. Yeah. Maybe and, not right away. Man, we, they're fun. We just hit Japan back to back. We can't, we can't <laughs> right, keep right, right, that right. up. But. As, as fun as it is, we do need to save those for a little bit later on. At least that, that'll give us a, an ace up the sleeve. Shit, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to say about this. There's no deep meaning. It's a good high school rom-com. Yeah, it's a, it's a simple story, really. I mean, we've already talked about all the films it, it's likened to. No, I think that's it. I think it's it's all just down to us trying to figure out what we're going to do next week. <laughs> as as usual. But that's the fun of it, though, because we find stuff like this sometimes. Exactly. So for this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out. out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ats. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace.